This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and good evening. We're in for a real treat tonight. In just a few moments, you'll hear the voices of Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn, and Jimmy Stewart as they star in the classic play, The Philadelphia Story, presented by the Screen Guild Theater. Now, the Screen Guild Theater was a radio anthology series broadcast from 1939 until 1952 during the golden age of radio. Leading Hollywood stars performed adaptations of popular motion pictures, originating on CBS Radio it aired under several different titles, the Gulf Screen uh, Guild Show, the Gulf Screen Guild Theater, the Lady Esther Screen Guild Theater. But fees that would ordinarily have been paid to the stars and studios were instead donated to the Motion Picture Relief Fund and were used for the construction and maintenance of the Motion Picture County House for retired actors. Had a long run, beginning in January 8th of 1939, lasting for 14 seasons and 527 episodes. The series began with a variety format with mixed success. The program increasingly became reliant upon adaptations of major motion pictures, presenting a considerable challenge to writers who had to compress the narrative into sometimes as little as 22 minutes. The Screen Guild Theater earned a total of $5,235,000 in change, for the Motion Picture Relief Fund, the story tonight, it was first broadcast a year before the end of the Second World War. So here we go with the Screen Guild Theater and the Philadelphia Story. Good evening. Tonight, Lady Esther takes exceptional pride in presenting the Screen Guild players and Philip Berry's delightful modern classic, The Philadelphia Story. It stars the three brilliant players who made the story so memorable on the screen, Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn, and Jimmy Stewart. The Lady Esther Screen Guild players in The Philadelphia Story. Tracy Lord's first marriage to C.K. Dexter Haven was dissolved by a vigorous right to the jaw. And now Tracy is about to be married again. The season's most important event to mainline society in Philadelphia and streamline journalism in New York. Which brings us to the office of Mr. Kidd, owner and editor of Spy Magazine. Miss Simbri, you'll take your camera, of course. Uh, Connor, you'll take your own special talents. Where? Yeah, what's the deal? Your assignment will be Spy's most sensational achievement, Tracy Lord. Tracy Big Lord. game hunting in Africa, fox hunting in Pennsylvania, married on impulse and divorced in rage. And always unapproachable by the press. The unapproachable Miss Lord. Now, look here, if you The Philadelphia I... story. Closed with the portals of snobbish fox hunting, uh... No, 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 wait. 
No Hunter of Foxes is Spy Magazine. Nevertheless, presented for the first time, quote, a wedding day inside mainline society. Or what the kitchen maid saw through the keyhole, unquote. Huh? You're the writer, Connor. I'm only the publisher. All right, publisher, take this. Quote, no hunter of buckshot on the rear is cagey, crafty Connor, unquote. Close paragraph. Close job, close bank account. Look, Mr. Kidd, how could we even get inside the estate, let alone into the house? Oh, it's been arranged. Miss Wallace? Yes, sir? Send him in, please. Now, Liz, no, wait a minute. We won't do it. It's degrading, demeaning, undignified. So is an empty stomach. Now, just relax. You'll have to... Hello. Who are you? Connor, this gentleman has been employed in our Buenos Aires office. I believe he can help us. How? Tracy Lord's brother, Junius, is in the American embassy down there, and an old friend of this gentleman... He'll introduce you to the family as an intimate friend of Junius. Dear old Junius, hmm? Oh, does Tracy Lord know this guy? Oh, yes. Yes, you might say Tracy and I grew up together. You might also say you're C.K. Dexter Haven, and you were Tracy Lord's first husband. Yes, you might. Holy mucka, what goes on here? Oh, I remember that honeymoon very well, Mr. Dexter Haven. You and she in a little sailboat. The true love, wasn't it? That's right. How did you know? I was the one photographer whose camera you didn't smash. You were terribly nice about it. You threw it in the ocean. Oh, one of those, huh? Yes, that's right. I rather thought our honeymoon was our own business. Incidentally, he paid for all the cameras, Mike. I got a sweet letter of apology, too. Oh, always a gentleman, huh? I wouldn't count on that. Now then, uh, what are the plans? The wedding is Saturday. This is Thursday. They should spend tomorrow night as guests of the Lord. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's something screwy here. Now, if he's resigned, why is he doing this? And let... Uh-oh, oh, 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 I get it, mister. Oh, you want to get even with your ex-bride, huh? As one gentleman to another, that may be exactly what I want. I'll have a car pick you up in North Philadelphia tomorrow noon. Good day. Well, what you, well how do you like that? It just walks out on us, just as though we were... Had, we're... A handkerchief, Mike. There's a little spit in your eye. It shows. <laughs> Oh, dear, so many things to do in so little time. Tracy, when you finish listing those wedding presents... Mother, how do you spell omelette? Two L's, two M's, one or the other. Omelette? That's a funny wedding present. Dinah, dear, it's an omelette dish. This one... It stinks. Oh, darling, don't say stinks. If necessary, smells, but only if absolutely necessary. Mother, if I ever finish writing down... Oh, this lamp, isn't it awful? Yeah, let me see that card. Oh, yes, friends of your father's. Wouldn't you know? What are they, tap dancers or just musical comedy producers? Tracy, that's hardly fair to your father's interest in the arts. The arts, the art of putting up a fortune to display the shapely legs of some... Tracy, please. Well, I'm certainly glad George isn't like that. Mother, isn't George an angel? George is an angel. Is he handsome or is he not? George is handsome. I like Dexter. Really? Why don't you stop the wedding? How? Get smallpox. No, oh, please. Don't give her any ideas, Tracy. Now, Dinah. Gee, Tracy's always so mean about Dexter. Well, darling, he was rather mean to her. Did he really sock her? Dinah. Really, Mother, if I don't choke her before Saturday... That'd stop the wedding, wouldn't it? It would not. You're supposed to be riding, young lady. Yes, Dinah, they must be waiting at the stable. All right, all right. Mother. Yes, dear. How do you get smallpox? Dinah, please go. Oh, I'm going, I'm going. Now then, Tracy, let's get those lists finished. And... Mother. Mother. That whistle. Dexter! Dexter, you're back! Dinah, my dream girl, my own true love. Oh, no, it can't be. He wouldn't dare. Mother, look, he's here. Mother, it's Dexter. 
Well, hello. Dexter Haven, you go right back where you came from. I can't. Dinah says it's too awful here without me. Redhead, if you don't look in the pink. Much too nice for George. If you think you can walk in here and... Uh, Dexter, tell me, how is Junius? Oh, Junius is fine. Heartbroken, of course, not to be here for the wedding. I suggested representing him as best man, but... Dexter, I appreciate your offer, but I'm afraid George would prefer to have his best man sober. Ah, yes, yes. Well, I'm sure you'll like the people Junius did send. People? The, the Junius sent, did you say? Yes, Miss Imbry and Mr. Connor, they're waiting now in the South Parlor. You really ought to tell them what rooms they're to have. Rooms? Dexter, have you switched from liquor to dope by any chance? Well, it was Junius's idea, you see. They've been terribly nice to him, and when they said they were coming to Philadelphia... Dexter Haven, you're lying. I can always tell. Hmm. Can you, Red? Yes, you have a habit of just a minute now. You went to work after the divorce, didn't you? Well, not right after. First, I tested several hundred bottles of bourbon. But after that, after that, you took a job in South South America. What for? A magazine. Ah, and it wasn't by any chance spy magazine. Oh, you're just a mass of intuition. And I don't suppose Junius is friends of photographers by any chance. Well, not exactly by chance. I thought you were low, Dex, but I never thought, oh, you... Ah, no, you're slipping red. I used to be afraid of that look, the withering glance of the goddess. I didn't think that alcohol would destroy your last shred of decency so soon. I ought to... Tracy, please... Dinah. Oh, Mother, not yet. Come along, dear. You're late for your ride. But, Mother, maybe he's going to sock her again. Dex, I'll have no argument about this. I want those people out of here, and you too. Yes, Your Majesty, but first, could I interest you in some small blackmail? No, you... What? Here you are, galley proofs. An article complete with snapshots, details, and insinuations ready for publication in Spy about your father and that dancer in New York. Father and Tina Mara? But they can't. They can't publish this. It's got to be stopped. Well, it is stopped temporarily, if you'll allow Miss Imbry and Mr. Connor to turn in the story on your wedding. And when Mr. Kidd says story, he means story. I'm going to be sick. Yes, dear. An intimate day with a society bride. I am sick. Too bad. Well, in the South Parlor, Your Majesty. Shall I conduct you in? Don't bother, please. I'm sure I know the way. (laughs) I'm, uh... I'm Tracy Lord, though I suppose you know that, but any friend of Junius's is a friend of... So nice having you with us. We're happy to be here. Uh, it's a pleasure. Too bad Junius couldn't be here. At least one male member of the family, too. Hey, uh, where's your father? Darling, Papa, I do hope you'll stay for my wedding. Yes, we'd like to. Yeah, that was more or less the idea. The house is rather a mess, of course, but we'll try to make you as comfortable as... Oh, what a cunning little camera. Wait, uh, I take pictures with it. <laughs> Well, I hope you'll take loads. Dear Papa and Mama aren't allowing any reporters in. That is, except for little Mr. Grace, who does the social news. Mr. Connor, can you imagine a grown-up man sinking so low? No, it does seem pretty bad. <laughs> You're a sort of a, a writer, aren't you, Mr. Connor? No, sort of. A book? Mm-hmm, yeah. Under what name do you publish? My own. Macaulay Connor. Just try and call me that. <laughs> I won't. What's the Macaulay for? Well, my father taught English history. I'm Mike to my friend. Of whom you have many, I'm sure. <laughs> English history. It's always fascinated me. Cromwell, Robin Hood, Jack the Ripper. Where did he teach? I mean, your father. Well, he, in a high school in South Bend, Indiana. South Bend. It sounds like dancing, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> And this is, this is your first visit to Philadelphia, a quaint old place, don't you think? Odd customs and such, where the scrapples eat biddle on Sunday. <laughs> but then you're still quite young. Well, I don't know about that. I'm 30. Really? One book isn't much for a man of 30. <laughs> 
I don't mean to criticize. You probably have other interests outside your work. No, none. Unless, unless... Uh, oh, oh, how sweet. Are you two going together? Well, sort of. Engaged, well, yes. I presume. Uh, no, no, but... Uh, but, but very much in love. Oh, isn't that a little personal? Is it? Well, it's so very interesting, Miss Imbray. Miss Imbray, if a man says he loves a girl, don't you think he ought to marry her? Hey, now, just a look. Please, Mr. Mary, Connor. Uh, I asked Miss Imbray a question. Well, uh, it, it depends. I'm disappointed, Miss Imbray. I've been very frank with you. However, I'll send a butler to show you your rooms. You'll join us, I hope, at the swimming pool. Huh. Wow. That's what I say. Well, Who's I just, interviewing whom? Yeah, yeah, just study, old girl. I don't let her throw you. You want to take over? Mm, I want to go home. But uh, since I'm on the job, I'll settle for the swimming pool. And then she came out and he wandered in. And then, 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 oh. Find out. Uh, oh, Mr. Connor. Ah, you said to come down here. I didn't mean to interrupt your reading. It's nothing important, I hope. I... You bet. It's very important. It's your book. Oh? Oh. Well, I didn't know you had it. Well, I didn't. I sent to the library for it. Oh? Well, you like it? I like it very much. Especially the story called With the Rich and Mighty. I think I like that one best. Really? Well, I, uh, I got the title from a Spanish peasant's proverb, with the rich and mighty, always a little patience. I like that. Tell me something, will you, Connor? When you can write a book like this, how can you possibly do anything else? Well, you'll never believe it, but there are people in this world that have to earn a living. Yeah, yeah of course, but people buy books, don't they? Not if there's a library around. That book re represents two solid years' work, not netted Connor less than... Oh, heck, that's Dexter. Look, stand by, will you, Connor? I don't want to be alone with him. Well, well, there you are. Funny, just where I thought you'd be. Fancy seeing you here. Orange juice? Certainly. Don't tell me you've forsaken your beloved whiskey and whiskies. No, but I think a pale pastel shade would be a better color for me today. And how about you, Mr. Connor? You drink, don't you? Alcohol, I mean. Mm, well, no. A little, and you a writer. Dexter. Will you do something for me? Anything, Red. What? Crawl into some small hole until after the wedding. Oh, I couldn't do that. At least not until I've... Uh... Connor, don't miss a word. Don't miss a word. We're going to talk about me. Why not? You find the subject fascinating. You're far and away your favorite person in the world. Of course, Mr. Connor, she's generous to a fault. To a fault, Mr. Connor. Except to other people's faults. For instance, to what used to be my deep and gorgeous thirst. It was disgusting. A weakness, sure. And strength is your religion. Well, when I realized I was not expected to be a loving husband and a good companion, but a kind of a high priest to a virgin goddess. Dexter, you... Well, then my drinks grew more frequent and deeper, that's all. Connor, don't you let him make you think why he's gone. <laughs> I like him. Dexter, what are you trying to make me out as? Red, what do you fancy yourself as? What are you trying to do with this marriage to George? How can you even think of it? George Kittredge is everything you're not. He's been poor and he's had to work and he's had to fight for everything and I love him as I never even began to love you. Really? Well, you really are in love. Yes, I am, and you needn't sound so contemptuous. I'm not red, never of you. You could be the finest woman in the world if you just learned to have some regard for human frailty. If only you'd slip a little sometime. But I guess that's hopeless. Your sense of inner divinity won't allow that. This goddess must and shall remain intact. <laughs> this woman must represent her class, a special class, the married maidens. So help me, Dexter, if you say another word... I'll... Tracy, darling, you there by the pool? George... That's a new high priest. I'll run along. 
Here, Red, I brought you a little wedding present. Sorry I had no ribbon to tie it up with. So long, Red. A present? Well, I wonder what... Oh. Oh, there you are, my dear. I thought I'd run over and... Tracy, aren't you going to say hello? Yeah, yeah. Hello, George. What's that you've got? Oh, a wedding present from Dex. A photograph? A picture of the true love. The, the what? We sailed her up the coast of Maine and back the summer we were married. My, she was yaw. Yaw? What's that? It means, oh, easy to handle, quick to the helm, fast, bright. Everything a boat should be, until it develops dry rot. Oh, George. There, now, he'll not upset you anymore. He never appreciated you anyway. How could he? Anyone as wonderful as you. George. It's what I've always thought from the first time I saw you. You're like some marvelous, distant old queen, I guess. There's kind of beautiful purity about you. George. It's what everyone feels. They worship you, darling. George, listen. I don't want to be worshipped. I want to be loved. Oh, you're that, too. I mean, really loved. Of course. And now I'll have to hurry, darling. Big party tonight, you know. I'll pick you up around now. Well, I... I... Connor... Hey, Connor, are you around here somewhere? Yeah, here in the dressing room. Are you calling me? Yes, I was. Connor, do you ever take a drink? A drink? Oh, yes, yes, sometimes. Well, that's good. Let's go in and open a bottle of champagne. The second act of the Lady Esther Screen Guild show starring Katherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, and Jimmy Stewart will follow in a moment. And now Lady Esther presents the second act of the Philadelphia story starring Jimmy Stewart, Katherine Hepburn, and Cary Grant. That bottle of champagne was just the first. Later, at the party on a neighboring estate, Tracy and Mike sampled quite a few more until George departed in a huff and left Mike to escort Tracy home. That's where we find them now, just arriving with a bottle they've brought along for the road. Well, well, here we are, Professor. You know, it's funny I never noticed this lake before. <laughs> Silly, that's a swimming pool. Oh, oh. <laughs> You know, you know, champagne's tricky. I'm used to bourbon. Bourbon's a slap on the back. Champagne, champagne's a, a heavy mist before my eyes. A quick swim will fix that. Dexter and I always swam after parties. Well, let's forget about Dexter. Have a drink now. Why not? Mike, Mike, do you hear a telephone ringing? I did a little while ago. No, I can't hear it. Well, no. Yes, I do. No. Well, it's very far away. Mm-hmm. That's my bedroom telephone, and it's probably George. I better go in. No, no, it stopped. Fine. Go, go drink your champagne. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. <laughs> Hello, you. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you look fine. I feel fine. <laughs> Did you like the party? Sure. 
The prettiest sight in this fine, pretty world, the privileged class enjoying its privilege, privilege, privileges. You're, you're a snob, Connor. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, Tracy. Hey, you, you can't marry that guy. George, I'm going to. Why not? Well, you don't match up. Professor, you're stepping out of character. My mistake. Oh, don't apologize. Who's apologizing? Really, I never knew such a man. I guess I never kn- knew a girl like you, Tracy. Yeah? Tracy, you're wonderful. There's a magnificence in you. My... A magnificence that comes out of your eyes and in your voice and on the way you stand and the way you walk. There's fires banked down in you, Tracy. Hearth fires and holocausts. I... You, you don't think I'm like a goddess? You're flesh and blood. That's the blank, unholy surprise. But you're... You're the golden girl, Tracy. You're full of life and warmth and delight. Hey, hey what goes on? You got, got tears in your eyes. Shut up, shut up. Oh, Mike, Mike, keep talking, keep talking, talk, will you? What good is talk, Tracy? Tracy. Golly. Golly, Moses. Well, nobody's ever kissed me like that. Tracy, I want to tell you something. Please, all of a sudden I've got the shakes. Please, Tracy. It's as though my insteps were melting away. Oh, gee, what is it? Have I got feet of clay or something? Tracy, you're so lovely. Wait, I know. The pool, there's a moon and it's warm and we could go... Now? Now? Now. Mike, Mike, put me in your pocket and let's go swimming. Oh, I could hardly wait till you got here this morning. Yes, but darling, my love, are you sure it wasn't just a dream? Well, I can't be positive, but... Good morning. Well, what ho, the bride. She in her wedding dress. Such a lovely day. <laughs> Is everybody fine? That's fine. Hmm. How fine are you? Well, I, don't, I don't know what's the matter with me. I can hardly open my eyes. I must have had too much sun yesterday. Man, it's awfully easy to get too much. Tracy, you're not really going to, are you? Going to what? Mary George, after last night. Last night? What are you talking about? Tracy, don't you even remember? Remember what? I've been telling Dinah it was just a dream. A dream? Well, what kind of a dream? Well, last night, it was awful late, I guess. I woke up and looked out of my window, and guess what I saw? What? Mr. Connor. Mike? Uh Uh-huh. He was sort of coming from the pool with both arms full of something. And what do you think it turned out to be? What? You and some clothes. And you were sort of crooning. I never crooned in my life. (laughs) Then what? Well, then he carried you into the house, and I could hear him take you into your room. Mike and me? Well, I'm going crazy. I'm standing here on my own two hands and going crazy. (laughs) What else? Well, after that, he... Uh, uh, good morning, everybody. Oh, well, morning, Connie. How do you feel? Hmm? Well, Mike, I... Mike, what's happened to your chin? My chin? Oh, well, you see... Tracy, I... I didn't get to tell you. When Mr. Connor came out again, George was waiting for him. No. Yes. And Mr. Connor sort of got hit on the chin. George? No, me. You, Dex, you were there, too? Good grief, why didn't you sell tickets? I... <laughs> uh, I'll say Dexter was there. What a clip he gave me. Oh, well, I'm sorry, Mike. I thought I'd better hit you before George did. He's in better shape than I am. Dex, Mike, 
Will somebody please tell me what happened before I go stark raving mad? On the level, you don't know? Of course I don't know. I don't remember anything. Ah, lucky Tracy. She's drawn a blank. Shut up, Dex. Mike, you tell me. Well, Tracy, Tracy, are you ready, darling? The guests are all here and the bishop's waiting and... Oh, dear, where is George? (gasps) George? Good heavens, Tracy, I forgot he was here at ten and left this note. For me? Well, I wonder what he could have... Go on, read it out loud, Red. We're all friends. Yes, I will. Listen to this. Quote. Your conduct last night was so shocking to my ideals of womanhood that my attitude toward you and the prospects of a happy and useful life together... Tracy? Hello, George. Tracy, I didn't dream you. All these people... Why, it's only a letter from a friend. They're my friends, too. I, uh, I thought I ought to come and, uh, and explain. I mean, I... It's clear uh, enough, George. You're chucking me over in good riddance. Well, after all, I have a point, you know, on the very eve of your marriage... Well, just a minute, George. Mike... Why don't you tell him what happened last night? Well, exactly two kisses and one late swim, after which I deposited Tracy in her room and I left. You mean, you mean to say that's all there was to it? I do. Why? Was I so terribly unattractive, Mike? So distant, so forbidding that you... No, no, you were extremely attractive and far from distant or forbidding, but you were also, uh... You were pretty pixelated, Red. Yeah, and then there are rules about that. I think men are wonderful. Oh, uh, Tracy, uh, uh, perhaps I was a little hasty, but, well, a man does expect his wife to... To behave herself naturally. To behave herself naturally. Uh... <laughs> Will you please... Well, I'm sorry. Tracy, if, if you're willing to let bygones be bygones, uh, what do you say? Goodbye, George. I beg your pardon? I said Goodbye. But, but we you see, to... you're much too good for me, George. A hundred times too good. And I'd make you most unhappy, most. Very well. That's how you want it. Possibly it's just as well. Good day. Well, congratulations, Red. Or is that proper without a groom? Hey, we can make it proper, Tracy. Yeah, Mike? I got you into this. I'll get you out of it. Will you marry me, Tracy? No, Mike. Thank you, but... Mm-mm, no. Why not? Because I, I don't think that nice girl with a camera would like it, and I'm not sure that you would, and I'm even a little doubtful about myself. Well, there goes your wedding music, Tracy. And besides, I, I made a mistake yesterday. I opened a wedding present too soon. Present without any ribbons on it. Red. Just a picture of a boat. Boat I don't think I've ever forgotten. Red, I've got an old wedding license, the one we didn't use when we eloped. What do you say? Dex, Dex, are you sure? Not in the least, but I'll risk it, will you? And, and, and you, you wouldn't be doing it just to save my face? Why shouldn't I save it? It's a nice little face. <gasps> oh, Dex, I'll be yah this time. I promise, darling, I'll be yah. Be whatever you like. You're my redhead. Are you all set? All set. Oh, never have I been so full of love. Mike, how do I look? Like a queen, like a goddess. That's funny, Mike, because you know how I feel. For the first time in my life, like a human being. <laughs> Thank you, Jimmy Stewart, Terry Grant, and Catherine Hepburn for a most delightful half hour. Well, as a matter of fact, Mr. Bradley, there isn't an actor or actress in Hollywood who isn't eager to come here and take part in the great work this program does for the Motion Picture Relief Fund and its country house. Am I right, boys? You are right, Kate. Say that again. 
next week, the Lady Esther Screen Guild players will present The Moon is Our Home. It will star Fred McMurray and Virginia Bruce. Be sure to listen. The Philadelphia story was produced and directed for Lady Esther by Bill Lawrence, adapted by Harry Cronman, and was presented through arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of It Happened in Brooklyn, starring Frank Sinatra, Catherine Grayson, Peter Lawford, and Jimmy Durante. Music on tonight's program was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Catherine Hepburn can currently be seen in the Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer picture, The Sea of Grass. Cary Grant can soon be seen in Dory Sherry's RKO production, The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. James Stewart can now be seen in Liberty Films' production of Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. This is Truman Bradley speaking for Lady Esther. Thank you, and good night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. You know, as I listen to that show, I find myself amazed at the talents of the writing staff in shrinking that story into 26 and a half minutes. Just goes to prove that all the talent wasn't always behind the microphone. Stay tuned for Phil Harris and Alice Fay next up on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. In 1936, Phil Harris became musical director of the Jello Show starring Jack Benny, later renamed the Jack Benny Program, singing and leading his band. When he joed a knack for snappy one-liners, he joined the Benny Ensemble portraying not himself, but scripted as a hip-talking, hard-drinking, brash Southerner whose good nature often overcame his ego. His signature song, belying his actual Hoosier birthplace, was That's What I Like About the South. His comic persona, that of a musical idiot who never met a bottle he didn't like or a mirror he could pie past, masked his band's evolution into a smooth, up-tempo big band, and in time, Harris's comic persona made such an impression that he got a chance to step out on his own and join his wife on their own show, Phil Harris and Alice Faye, in the series tonight is New Drug. Good health to all from Rexall. Yes, it's Sunday. Time for the Phil Harris Alice Bay Show. Presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and your Rexall Family Drug. Good health to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Gail Gordon, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Scharf and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Today is an average day in the Harris household. Alice has finished the lunch dishes, the children are playing with a new toy, and Phil has just come down for breakfast. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Phil. Hello, Daddy. Hey. What you kids got there? A chemistry set. It's a present from William. He bought it for them this morning. Willie bought something for somebody? (laughs) Well... 
Since I got him that job with Rexall last week, the boy's become a plunger. <laughs> How much did this set cost him? Ninety-eight cents. The plunger's got a short handle. <laughs> Ninety-eight cents, huh? That's a fine present for his rich sister's children. Now that he's working, <laughs> now that he's working at the drugstore, Uncle William says he's going to give me and Phyllis a lot of presents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. For Christmas, I can see him putting two small tubes of dental floss under the tree. <laughs> Alice, look, a chemistry set is dangerous. They can hurt themselves messing around with that. Oh, it's just a toy, and it's perfectly harmless. They can't get into any trouble with it. No, Daddy. This morning, we made ink with it. You made ink, huh? How was it? It was delicious. You drank it? Alice, do something. Call a doctor. Get a blotter. No, no, no. Don't Don't get excited, Bill. They just tasted it, and I washed their mouths out. They know enough not to do it again. Believe me. Girls, you'd better go outside and play now. Okay, Mommy. Come on, Phyllis. Willie, Willie. When he's not doing something to me, he's doing something to my children. Getting him that job was the best thing I ever did. At least now he won't be bothering me during the day, and it'll certainly be a relief to hear him come in every morning with that... Good morning, Philip. <laughs> what did he do, have a record made? <laughs> what are you doing here during the day, Willie? I just came from a meeting with Mr. Scott. Scott? Hmm. Who's Mr. Scott? Well, he's a very important man with the Rexall Company. He and the other executives were talking about you and your radio show, Philip. Ah. Hmm? Talked about me, huh? Kind of cut me up a little, huh? what they have to say about me, Willie? Well... Come on, uh... tell me what they said. <laughs> Come on, what do they think of me? You needn't worry, Philip. You have a contract and there's nothing they can do about it. <laughs> Knock off, will you, Levi? <laughs> Get lost. Go back to the drugstore and stuff cotton in their aspirin bottles. <laughs> Nothing they can do about it. What do you mean, nothing they can do about it? They'd have to be crazy to try to get rid of me. I'm the greatest thing since rubber gloves. <laughs> can't understand it. I can't even get to meet this Mr. Scott. How come you got so close to him in only one week? Oh, I don't know. I guess he was captivated by my sparkling personality. <laughs> captivated? You got a personality that sparkles like a hangnail. <laughs> There's got to be another reason. Well, of course, he was very much impressed with the new bookkeeping system I installed. It's really quite a system. Oh, I'll bet it's just a gym dandy. <laughs> you must explain it to me sometime. Oh, I'll be glad to. It's a double entry system. See? Whereby... That's fine. Just close it up right there. <laughs> hey, look, let me ask you something. Don't you have to get back to the office? Oh, my goodness. It's almost one o'clock. I'd better hurry. Now, don't worry, Philip. Next time I see Mr. Scott, I'll put in a good word for you. If I can think of one. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, Willie. If I can think of one. Some sharp talk. Kid's really getting sharp. Ain't no stopping him since he won first prize for his tapioca pudding at the Pomona Fair. <laughs> you so annoyed with William? Because I hate apple polishers, that's why. Just trying to get on the good side of the boss. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't even trying to get me off of that show. 
Look, I'll get it. Must be Willie again. Probably forgot something. His beret. <laughs> I'm getting a little fed up with his coming around all the time, and I'm going to tell him so. Why don't you stop coming around here and bother me? So? <laughs> You don't love me anymore. Oh, Frankie, I I'm didn't. glad I found out in time before I made a fool of myself. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean before you made a fool of yourself? Before I gave you the ring. Oh. <laughs> Cut out the clowning, will well, you? That's a fine way to greet Remley, me. I'm sorry, and I want to apologize. I thought you were willing. That's the most insulting apology ever. <laughs> What's the matter? What are you so sore willing about? Well, come on in and I'll tell you. All right. Let's go in the kitchen. You can have a bite to eat with me. Mm -hmm. Well, what's it all about, Carolyn? What's Willie done to you this time? Oh, I don't know. Ever since I got that job at Rexall for him last week, he's been doing everything in his power to impress them with his ability. Mm -hmm. Sit down. Yeah, right. Mmm, cold chicken. Frankie, look. I got a serious problem. Willie's trying to undermine me with the company. He wants to get me off the show. You're passing mustard. <laughs> Look, Remley, this is important. Do you realize that if that happens, I'll be out of a job? Potato salad, please. <laughs> Frankie, will you pay attention? Okay. Now, look, I got to think uh, of... Pass me some of that stuff first. <laughs> oh, here. Look, Frankie... I gotta think of some way to stop this guy. <laughs> hey, this is wonderful wine. Good vintage. Nice body, very dry. What do you call this stuff? Ink. <laughs> yeah, ink? Yeah, ink. It's excellent vintage, though. Waterman's 1926. <laughs> Serves you right. The kids made that stuff with a chemistry set that Uncle Willie gave them. Uh -huh. Look, Frankie, I've been trying to tell you. Willie invented a new book system or keeping system for the company, mm -hmm. and now he's the fair-haired boy with a Mr. Scott, the big man there. I ain't even met the guy. Mm -hmm. Remley, I got to do something to uh, impress the executives. Yeah. Why don't you invent something? Like what? Well, what's the most important thing that Rexall makes and sells? What are they famous for? Drugs. That's it. All you got to do is invent a new drug. <laughs> That's all, huh? Yep, simple as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's only one trouble. I'm a little out of practice, you see. <laughs> I haven't invented a drug for a fortnight now. <laughs> About nine days. <laughs> Look. What makes you think they need a new drug? Statistics. He ain't even with the company. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. Look, how many independent druggists do they got? 10,000. How many drug products do they make? 2,000. All right, you see, that leaves 8,000 druggists without a drug. <laughs> must admit that makes sense. That figures. <laughs> hey, Remley. What? Whatever gave you the idea of inventing a new drug? 
Are the kids' chemistry set in my knowledge of chemical formulae? <laughs> formulae? That's Latin. It's female for formula. <laughs> hey, hmm? you sound like you know what you're talking about. Well, of course I do. Come on, let's experiment. A lot of things are discovered by chemists just accidentally mixing things together. With my knowledge, we're sure to hit something. Yeah. A lot of things are discovered accidentally. Sure. Anyway, it's worth a try. Hey, come on, Frankie. Now, look. Let's get the kids' chemistry set, mix a few things together, and we'll see what happens. Curly, Maybe we Curly, can... please. We chemists cannot work with a child's implement. <laughs> we'll need a professional set with test tubes and Bunsen burners. You'll have to buy an elaborate set. Okay, Frankie, but you better come with me so I don't get stuck. All right. Hey, I hope this thing works how I'd love to show that Willie up. Wouldn't that be something? Well, like the general said, let's get moving. The general? Yeah. Oh, the general said, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. But his noble steed said, no indeed, go get yourself a jeep. Then the general said, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. But his man of war just said, what for? And went right back to sleep. Then the general called the captain, told the captain to tell the sergeant, tell the privates that he personally would lead the charge. Now he made a loud and fervent speech, he made a strong appeal. And he said, good friends, just follow me, I'll lead you through the field. Then the general said, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. But his noble horse said, man, get lost and walk right off the field. Then the general said, giddy up, giddy up, come on, giddy up. But his stallion booed him where he stood and called that Jenna heel. And that there horse come walking by, his noble head held high. And he walked up to the general, looked him smack dab in the eye. And he said, my friend, let's get it straight. Let's get it straight right now. If you think I'm going to lead a charge, you crazy as a cow. The battle raged and raged and raged. The shells fell all around. But the general stopped and did no bobbing. He just stood his ground. The soldiers fought and fought and fought to the battle. Battle was no sense, but the general and his faithful horse, they didn't move an inch. Then the bugler blew his bugle, his comrades left the fray. The mighty war was over, so they proudly marched away. But the general on his noble nag, his face was streaming tears, said, I'll make that old hay burner move if it takes a million years. Oh, the general said, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. They left him, so I'll never know if he ever made that darn nag go with his giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. Oh, come on, horse, at least take me back to the officers' club. The general and his horse. Hey, Remley. What? How much further is this chemist supply store? Oh, it's in this block, a couple of doors down. See, now, I want to make sure we get everything. We'll need a couple of dozen test tubes, some mixing pans, Bunsen burners. Uh, hmm? what are them burners for? <laughs> oh, they're necessary to every chemist. Yeah? Can't burn a Bunsen without them. <laughs> Well, 
Besides, if we want to discover a new drug, we'll need them to heat up the ingredients. What are we after, a hot headache, Phil? <laughs> How stupid can a man be? Curly, <laughs> when we get in the store, you better let me do the talking. If we don't sound like professionals, they won't sell us anything. All right, all right, pro. You can do the talking. You better start it, too. Here comes the clerk. How do you do, sir? What can I do for you? Oh, uh, nothing for me, but my colleague, Madame Curie, wants to buy it. <laughs> Madame Curie? <laughs> uh, pay no attention to Professor Harris. He's been working on the atom bomb, and he's a little radioactive. <laughs> uh, we'd like to buy the best chemistry set you have. Oh, certainly. Uh, your professional chemists, of course. Please. <laughs> H2OCO2 and carbon-4 dioxide-5. And if that ain't enough, granite-3883. Yes. Yes. Now, uh, will you please show us your most expensive set? Well, uh, very well, if you insist. I have one on the shelf right here. Mm -hmm. This is the best chemistry set that money can buy. Yeah, this looks adequate. We'll take it. Wait, pro, wait. <laughs> uh, how much is it, mister? Oh, not very much. The cabinet is $20. Ain't bad. Plus the chemicals, which are $165. Huh? Plus the smear slides, plus the culture discs. That'll be a total of $210. $210? Plus 3% sales tax. <laughs> hey, Bud. Um, do you have a brother working in a packing house who cut up a steer for me three weeks ago? <laughs> That was me, Professor Harris. I change jobs. I do that quite often. Well, don't ever take a job in a penny arcade. You won't be happy with their prices. <laughs> hey, Curly, stop quibbling about price. This is important all to you. All right, all right. All right, wrap it up, mister. We won't take it home. Get started. Very well. Oh, a word of warning. If you don't know what you're doing, these sets can be dangerous. No, please. Don't worry about us, bub. <laughs> By the way, we'll also need some test tubes and mixing pans. Oh, look, and another thing. Throw in a couple of them bunion burners. <laughs> hey, Curly, look at all these chemicals and acids we have. Oh, with what we have here, we shouldn't have any trouble inventing something great. Let's get started. Yeah, but... Hey, Remley. Hmm? You think we should be doing this here on the dining room table? This is an expensive piece of furniture. We might damage it. No, not with me handling the stuff. However, if it'll make you feel better, we'll cover it up. Put that tablecloth on. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> I'll just throw it on here, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there. Ain't no sense taking no chances. No. All right, now then, let's get started. Uh, first, I'll pour a little of this into a test tube. Uh, what is it? Uh, hydrochloric acid. <laughs> Harmless stuff. <laughs> i just pour a little in this test tube. Frankie, be careful. Look, you're splashing it all over the tablecloth. Well, that's all right. We got a lot of it. <laughs> Stop worrying. It won't hurt the cloth. 
Okay, as long as it... <laughs> Remley, are you losing compression? <laughs> It's burning holes in the tablecloth. That's very weak material. Oh. I'm surprised that Alice buying cheap. Hi, You're gonna boys. Get... Hello. What are you doing in here? What's that stuff on the table? Oh, no. Look at my pure Irish linen tablecloth. Beautiful, intricate lace work, hasn't it? <laughs> so, Harris, what have you done? What are all these bottles on the table? Honey, it's just a little chemistry set. Well, take it out to the garage and play with it. And if you play real nice, I'll get you boys tinker toys for Christmas. <laughs> now, go on. Run along. All Please. right. All right. Let's go out in the garage, Pro. Come okay. on. <laughs> A new drug. I wonder when he'll get to mud pies. I never know what he's going to do. There's only one thing I'm sure of. A little bird told me that you love me. That you love me. And I believe that you do. That you do. This little bird told me I was falling. Really falling. Falling for no one but you. None but you. There's no use tonight. I might as well confess. Of all the boys I know, dear, I'm sure I love you best. A little bird told me that you love me. That you love me. And I believe that it's true. A little bird told me we'd be married. And I believe that it's true. This little bird also told me when we marry. We'll have a pretty cottage not too far. All fencing like a movie star. Great Dane Pop will call him Ace. Lying there by the fireplace. A goldfish pond and a wishing well. Everything is gonna turn out swell. A little bird told her she'd be married. Dear, 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 dear. And we believe that is true. This little bird also told her when she married. We'll be the proudest couple in the land. Go through life hand in hand. Have a ranch way out west. Pick a spot that we love the best. A peachy king and all is well. That's true, we know. Hey, Frankie, how are we doing? You think we got something here? Shh, shh, don't disturb me. I got to concentrate. It's coming to a boil. <laughs> hey, look, it's changing color. It was pink and purple, and now it's changing to orange and blue. Well, then we got it, Frankie. Can't you see it's the perfect drug for Rexall, a pill that's that's half orange and half blue. <laughs> I still like pink and purple. <laughs> Curly, I think we got something here, though. As soon as it cools off, I'm going to pour it and let you have the honor and privilege of being the first one to taste our new drug. <laughs> 
Let's reverse that. <laughs> I'll pour you taste. Oh, but Curly, I'm a scientist. The world needs men like me, but you're expendable. <laughs> Are you going to be selfish? You're going to think of the world or yourself? Yes. <laughs> yes, what? I think the world or myself. <laughs> Gremley, let's face it, we're both afraid to taste this stuff. Yeah. What we need is a human guinea pig to try it out on. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need, a guinea pig. Somebody Hi, who... what are you two guys doing in the garage? Well, if it ain't Julius, oink, oink, a bruzio. <laughs> hey, come on in here, kid. Come on in. Yeah, come on. Pull up the sky and sit down. Hey, you guys, let go. Get your clammy meat hooks off of me. <laughs> Julius, my boy, I'm going to give you a chance to become famous. I'm going to let you do something that'll make this world a better place to live in. You and you alone, Julius, can make your fellow man very happy. Sorry, I ain't interested. <laughs> Why not? I ain't going to knock Mr. Harris off. <laughs> Nobody's asking you to knock me off. All we want you to do is to help us with a little experiment. Experiment? Now, look, kid, Mr. Remley... <clears throat> My colleague yes. and myself <laughs> have just discovered a new drug that will be a boon to mankind. You discovered a new drug? Yes, sir, and we want you to be the first to try it. Just think, Julius. If it's successful, your name will go down as one of the bravest men in medical history. You'll be a martyr, a man of destiny. Yeah, I'll be a world-famous martyr. People will talk about me and I'll be a household word. Gentlemen, I've reached a decision. Then you'll do it? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Julius, I made this stuff. What are you afraid of? What could happen to you? I could drop dead. <laughs> Besides that, I guarantee nothing will happen. But if it does, we'll give you our antidote. Did you discover an antidote, too? No, but we'll face that crisis when it arrives. <laughs> Look, Julius, I'm trying to discover a new drug for my sponsor. If I can show a big shot like Mr. Scott that I have his interests at heart, he'll accept me. We'll travel around together socially. Save your breath. <laughs> I should give my life just so you can go steady with Mr. Scott? <laughs> Julius, look, I poured a little in this test tube. Here, just taste it. Stop shoving it into my head. Ouch, it's hot! Julius, you're dropping it. <laughs> I don't think this stuff's going to be any good for headaches. <laughs> boom, it works. Little boom. Oh, yeah. Curly, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. How about you? Yeah, I'm all in one piece. <laughs> Curly? Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't Julia standing here a minute ago? <laughs> I could have sworn he was. <laughs> hey, Frankie. Hmm? You think that maybe could be. 
Oh, well, here today and gone tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't even wait till tomorrow. <laughs> Little Julius. Too bad it had to happen. Sure. What are you, a couple of wise guys or something? <laughs> hey, Julius, you all right? Where were you? I ducked down here under the cot. So that's the drug you discovered for Rexall, huh? What are they going to do, open a bomb department? <laughs> all right, we're sorry, kid. It was an accident. I guess I put too much uranium in. I'm getting out of here. The thing you guys wanted me to drink that stuff. But, Julius, we Why don't I tell my old man you tried to make an active volcano out of me? <laughs> there goes the guinea pig, Mr. Remley. This is a nice medical discovery you made. What's it supposed to do, blow up the germs? Oh, Philip! Oh, no, look, there comes Willie. There he comes, and he's got some guy with him. If he sees what we did, I'll be a laughingstock. He'll tell everybody. i got to keep him out of the garage, Frank. Frankie, one. I think I found a use for our drug. <laughs> you mean... Yeah, now start pouring, keep pouring, just enough to scare him off. Are you ready? Yeah. Drop it as soon as they get near the garage door. Oh, Philip, Alice told me you were... <laughs> I wonder what Alice told him you were. <laughs> Hey, Frankie, look at Willie. Look at Willie and his friend, Ron. We scared the bailiffs out of him. Phil, Frankie, what happened? What was that explosion? It was nothing, honey. We just played a little gag to scare Willie and his friend away. Just a harmless prank. Phil, 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 you shouldn't have done that. Especially to Willie's friend. (laughs) Oh, who's worried about Willie's friend? When will I ever see that guy again? Around auction time. That was Mr. Scott. What? Produced and directed by Paul Phillips. The part of Frankie Remley was played by Elliot Lewis, and Julius was played by Walter Tetley. Alice Fay appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. This is Bill Foreman wishing good health to all from Rexall. Sunday is fun day on NBC. Stay tuned to this station for the Edgar Bergen Charlie McCarthy Show, which follows immediately. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, Elsa Maxwell guests with Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, followed by Inner Sanctum. Special thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support and Moses Neimer, executive producer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.